Welcome to Living Word Bible Church, a lovely place for families where we have a passion to sing great songs to Jesus and where sound Bible teaching is central in home groups and in preaching at Sunday services. Living Word Bible Church, teaching the Bible verse by verse. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him, because they saw the signs he had performed by healing those who were ill. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to he asked this only testament, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than a half a year to divide the bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barnacles and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten them. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Graham. Hey. Okay, we're back in the Lord's Prayer. What a bit of a break. Who knows what session we're on? How many have we done? You're thinking, well, I don't know how many we've done, but it's way too many. <laughs> we've done six, okay? Five plus one, six. 
number seven. And look, we've had a break. We've had at least how many breaks? Weeks? We've had one week break. And so we're picking up. Does anybody know where we got to? Now I'm testing you. How far through the Lord's Prayer are we? That's right. Thanks, young man. Uh, it is indeed. We're, we're at the, the bit that matters to us. This is what I care about. You know, it's like, you know, where's the bit that matters to me? Well, this is the bit that finally we've now got to that matters to me, to us. Let me tell you about one lock head, or as the Scots pronounce it, one lock head. Okay? So we lived in one lock head for about a year. Uh, it, it, it's Scotland's highest village, except nobody knows that. There's not a single Scot, but you didn't know this, did you, Pam? There's not a single Scot that knows, apart from the ones that live there, okay, that the one lock head is Scotland's highest village, highest inhabitable village. You're thinking, oh, well, you didn't like the cold. Why well, you didn't live in there? Boy, it was cold every day, even <laughs> the summer. But it's the mining town, the mine led, and so there's one lock head and there's lead hills, and they're within a few hundred meters of each other. Um, we were there for a year. I had a sabbatical for six months, and it was a great place just to rest recuperate. But look, here's some mining going on, and you can do tours. They mine lead. And as a part of the tour, that house there on the right, that white house there, is, is a museum. It's an old, somebody, it used to be somebody's house. It's a museum. And it's one of those museums where there's several rooms, about five rooms, and each one is a stage in development from the very early days of lead mining, when nine, eight, nine-year-old kids used to stand in the creek, the stream, boy, Australia's having an impact on me, stream, okay? Uh, they used to stand in a stream, in a freezing cold stream, for hours upon hours, every day, washing, you know, the debris off lead and stuff. Seriously, I can't believe anybody could do that. I tried it for five minutes, Jen. <laughs> that wasn't enough for me. And so, one of the things you notice as you go through, walk through the houses, as time progresses, how you go from the most simplistic lifestyle when there's hardly anything in, a, in, a, in the average family's house. The entire family lives in one room, okay? So no mads, no moaning, you know? Uh, because an entire family would live in a tiny room no bigger than this. But what you notice is in the early houses, there's hardly anything there except the most basic essential cooking implements and some rough bed. And then as the generations move on and as prosperity increases, you see that people are now beginning to get surplus income. And now the houses are ornately decorated and expensive items. And right up until the present day, and even now, when if you go into a typical Scottish home, two things you, you will confront you. One is an endless amount of sweet stuff. Seriously. Scots love sweets. Anything, cakes, and everything. You, you can't just get away from it. And you can imagine what this was doing to me. So sweets, and the second thing in a typical Scottish house, my own experience living there, is always that they would have their special valued items. You know, whether they be expensive art or some family heirloom or whatever. And, and, and it's something of that progression and you can see there. Why do I tell you that? Well, hold on. Hold on to that thought for a bit. And here's the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, verse 11. Give us today 
our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. Here's our heading. Right, the next slide, please, Greg. All that we need for life is to be daily sought. Excuse me. From our heavenly Father. All that we need for life is to be daily sought from our heavenly Father. Well, take your religious freak hat off for a minute, okay? Look, we're all religious nutters here, aren't we? We are, and we're used to this religious lingo, you know, it makes sense to us. But, you know, one of the reasons I'm not in here is because we are just so obscure. And we're so accustomed to it because it's what we know. We hear the Bible regularly and so it all sounds normal. But that hardly sounds normal to anybody living in the 21st century, does it? Seriously. You wait six sermons and each one's at least 40 minutes long. Today's going to be shorter. Famous last words. Okay, if only it gets to the sermon is about us. And this is, this is how relevant the Bible is to our lives today. He's talking about a loaf of bread. Who the heck here cares about bread? Seriously. So you wait for it. You get to the high point. This is it. This is about me now. You know, I've done all the God stuff for six weeks. And Jesus is telling us to pray for a loaf of bread. I mean, I mean, who cares about bread? You know what I care about? I collectively, we, how are you going to pay our mortgage? The next medical bill, the kids' education, and how am I going to fund that next thing that I've been desperate to do? How, how, you know what I care about? How I'm going to get through tomorrow in the office for eight hours. It's what I care about. A loaf of bread? I mean, I mean, you can see why no one's interested, can't you? Because it's so disconnected from our life. And like I said, for us it just sounds so normal. But if I, if I mention this to the average 20-year-old on the street, you'd think I was having a laugh. And so, but here's what we do know about Jesus in the Bible. Jesus was cutting edge. He was and spoke beyond his time, beyond his ears and his wisdom. And he spoke in such a way that we know, if we know anything about the Bible, that however antiquated it may sound to a cursory look, there's much more going in it, on than we sometimes realise. And there's much more going on here than a loaf of bread. I said, I want to look at that with you. I want, I want to ask, what is going on? How does this relate to my world? You know, how do we communicate what is an incredible truth summed up in those words to our world? I guess, first thing, we need to understand what Jesus, what, the, what on earth Jesus is talking about. Because even as a Christian, I really don't care about a loaf of bread. Much I did this morning, I couldn't find the bread. 
Again, then, I lost the bread yesterday, and this morning I'm like, where is that? There's half a loaf somewhere now in where we live, okay? There's a half a loaf somewhere, okay? I care a little, but generally I don't really care about bread. And so what is going on here? Let me tell you about Jewish life in the first century. Look, this is, this is going to come up from now on. Let me talk about dogs, Okay. Anybody here into dogs? You got dog gin. Now, I don't want to disappoint you or upset you, okay? But what does your dog, what, what's the highest love of your dog? It's not, it's not gin. It's not. Okay? The highest love of a dog is food. They will do Anything for food. In fact, animals generally, I mean, I mean, we're talking about this with the kids, aren't they? Have you noticed what sheep do, what cows do all day long? That's all they do. Seriously, all they do. I mean, I, mean, I don't know, is that, is that a lie? All they do is eat grass. And when they're not eating grass, they're re. Excuse me. Excuse the thought, regurgitating and re-chewing. I was at a zoo the other day, and apparently camels have got four of them. And they do it four times again, and it goes through the chambers. Okay? We had a parrot that did it, and he did it as a token of, as a gesture of love. As every time he was on me, all I would get was what he ate two hours ago. Seriously, in my mouth. That's what they do. It's like, here you are, I love you this much. Okay, how did I get onto that? Dogs, okay, live for food. Look, I'm sure he loves you. Is it he? She loves you, but you're probably second to food. Okay. What was life like in the first century for Jewish people? You don't know. Day to day. Day to day, and you lived, and you worked, and you breathed for the meal that night. That's how life was. Your entire day's wage, and mostly people paid a day's labour at the end of the day. And your day's labour, a denarii, Say, what percentage of it do you think went on went on food? So this is this is your total household income, okay? You pick up at the end of the day. What percentage of that do you need for food? Someone have a guess. Almost eighty-five to ninety percent of your daily income. was to buy a meal that evening. That's why you worked. That's how you live. That's how you, that was the, the central feature. Back in the UK, we, I mean, it's a bit different here. Sunday, your Sunday lunch, the Sunday roast was uh, the, the be-all and end-all of your week. It was everything focused to Sunday roast. I mean, if you have a visiting preacher, he goes back and has his Sunday roast. People invite one another back home for a Sunday roast. I was waiting for that when I first came here. I'm still waiting. 
Okay, because he says, not what we do, is he? Hey, uh, so often, we do have roasts, fortunately, not always on Sunday. Okay, that meal was what you lived for, worked for. It was a focus of your life. And by my meal, let me ask you, what do I mean, that meal, that denarii, that denarii? What meal does it buy you? One meal of, of what? It's bread. It's bread. You work your day, your whole day, so that you can take home some bread so that you and your family can eat. Forget steak and chips. You're thinking on you, no, they had steak and chips. Look how many cows they had. Look how many sheep they had. Okay? Do you know how often a Jew will have access to meat? I mean, let me put it this way. Have you ever wondered why the older brother, the prodigals, why he's so angry? Someone's given it away. Look, you've given it away. Why is he so angry? But his brother's return. Apart from the fact that everything's done, what is really hurting him? Because he's having steak and chips. And he can't remember the last time he had steak. The last time he probably had meat as a part of his diet was at the last wedding that they celebrated in the village. You see, you have bread, you may have olives with it. Okay? If you're really lucky, you may get a bit of dried fish. I mean, what a treat. Bread and a bit of dried fish. That's how life looked for them. And it's, it's why, you know when Jesus, we just had the reading, thanks, Graham, when he feeds the 5,000, it's 5,000 plus women and children, probably talking at least 15,000 people, maybe 20, Okay, look, this is why they're responding to him in this way, and this is why Jesus is upset with them. John 6, 26, Graham didn't get quite that far. I tell you the truth, not that you were meant to. I tell you the truth, you are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Why are they chasing Jesus? Why are they so interested in Jesus? What is it about him? That, that's, that this, we're talking to crowds of 20,000 people. The latter part in particular. Because here's a guy that can give me my daily income. Here's a guy that if I follow, I have my salary banked. It's incredible. You have to understand what Jesus is. But providing bread and bread and fish. I mean, remember, the fish is the luxury item here. Jesus was effectively supplying every one of those people that entire, virtually 90% of their income for that day. And so it's hardly surprising, is it? It's like, wow. Hey, you don't have to work anymore. Don't bother going standing in the marketplace waiting all day there to be employed and only then to be sent out in the scorching midday sun to work your, to work your, I won't use that word, you know, uh, you know, until you're ready to drop. Because here's a guy 
that give you what you need to live on tap. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna let you into a little secret here. I love being invited out for dinner. <laughs> you know why? You know why? That's one day, that's one meal I ain't gonna cook. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. You know, it's like, no, don't worry about food today. Forget the freezer or the fridge, all coals, all woolies. Hey, we're going out today. And here's another secret. If we ever go for a paid meal outside, we make sure we bring half of it back so that I don't have to cook the next day either. Look, food can be that important to us. It's to me. Here. Here. When Jesus taught them to pray, give us today our daily bread, that was lauded. That's not about a loaf of bread. That's about your income. That's about every concern you have. That's about the biggest priorities in your life sorted. This is about life. Essential life, living. And it wasn't as though they ate their bread miserably. I think you've got to understand what this meant. Look, as someone whose family is from the East, that evening meal, that daily meal, is the highlight of your day. This is, this is what gave you some joy. We see it with the dog. You can tell that dog is waiting his entire day for that evening meal. You can just see it. Throughout the day, his whole day is working towards six o'clock. Give us today our daily bread encapsulates every need, essentially, that a Jew had. So what does that look like for us? Okay, and so uh, this is how... We're meant to apply the Bible in our world today because this means nothing to anybody. But what does that mean to us then? We've seen something. <laughs> what it means then? Here's what it looks like. Here's what it looks like for us. You can shout some out if you want to. Give us today our, today our daily bread. You know what that looks like? You know what Jesus is saying? Yeah, I think if Jesus was re-preaching this sermon today, you know what the prayer is? Lord, help. Yes, Lord. Help me get that mortgage payment ready before the banks close tonight. God, that gas bill has got to be paid today. I've got to see a doctor. And it's a specialist. It's $200 before you... Be, the minute you walk through the door, it's $200 gone from your pocket. God, I've got to get that done today. I can't wait till tomorrow. This, this is urgent. It's travel expense. It's the meal. You, because you may not get invited out for dinner tonight. And although for me... It's just pulling out something I probably got in the freezer or just going through the effort of making something. <laughs> Maybe for somebody, 
It isn't a fridge full of stuff. And you can see then what, what, the, what the Lord's Prayer is getting at. This is about my mortgage, about my bills, about my health, about my kids' education, about travel, about putting food on the table. This is about existing, living, having some quality of life. Even for us, to have somewhere warm to sit, a TV to watch, and a coffee to sip. It's what, it's what our lives exist of, isn't it? And then here's Jesus, and what he's saying to us is that, is that in our prayers, as we pray, when we finally get to this feature of the prayer that relates to us, Jesus is saying, I want you to put it all out there. Lay it all out. The housing need. That employment need. That health need. The meal. He wants you to pray the prayers. He wants you to say the words. He wants you to get involved with him and work it out with him. Oh God, I've got to get this sorted. God, I need this. I need some help here, God. Here's the thing. The fact that Jesus wants us to pray thus, there's, there's two silent things going on here, isn't there? Number one, <laughs> ultimately, it reveals this truth that ultimately, all things that we need for life are at God's disposal. That's what the prayer is saying, isn't it? For Jesus to instruct us to pray thus can only suggest this, can't it? That ultimately, all things that we need, all those prayers that I've just mentioned, are at God's disposal. Psalm 24, 1, The earth is the Lord's and every... <laughs> Everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Just, just thinking materially now, health aside. The prayer reveals this truth that everything that you need for your life right now, today, is at God's disposal. Everything. It's the first thing the prayer reveals. Secondly, not only is everything at God's disposal, the fact that God himself instructs us to pray can only mean, oh, the next one please, Greg, can only mean God cares. About what we need. That's the truth going on here. God cares. Not only does he have it within his power, he, he has it within his power to dispose to you the thing you need. He not only has it in his power, but he actually cares enough to do it. 
Look at the birds of the air, they do not sow or reap or store away, store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Your Father knows that you need them. Remember Psalm 139? Ever before a thought is on your lips, he knows it. But seek first his kingdom, go about God's purposes, and all these things will be given to you as well. The, the prayer, give us today our daily bread, tells you that God not only has it in his power to give you what you need, that he cares enough to do it. Cares enough to want to do it. This is something he loves doing. Who here despises, begrudges, giving their kids something to eat when they're hungry? How many times has your child had to beg you for a meal? How many times did your kid ever have to plead with you, Dad, please take me to the doctors. Please, Dad. Don't you care? What child has ever said that to a parent here? He wants you to pray the prayer. Because he's more passionate about answering it than we are even to ask. Ultimately, all things that we need are at God's disposal. God cares. He cares. He cares about our needs. It's time to finish almost. Look, let me, let me just try and wrap up here. The final thing I just want to say. Look, notice this. Give us today our daily bread. How often is Jesus expecting us to ask? How often is he expecting us to ask? Every day. We're so sophisticated, aren't we, that we can we, we earn in such a way and that we store in such a way that we can be set up for the next year. It's the way we want it. We don't want to care about things every day. We don't want to worry about the bills every day. We don't want to worry about food every day. And so we stock up, don't we, for weeks on weeks on end because of freezes. Look at the lesson that, geez, that God taught the Israelites. It's endemic to this relationship of faith. Exodus 16, 4, by the manner, the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you, manna. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. God has so set up our world and our relationship with him. That he wants us to be in authentic, true relationship. That's what the prayer is about. It's about setting up a relationship structure whereby, whereby by, we are in prayer daily, we're going to God daily, we're conversing daily. Whether we do verbatim through the prayer, and the prayer is, is called, we're called to pray verbatim, the Lord's Prayer, give us today daily bread, whether we do it verbatim, or whether we just say the words, God, God, I need this. 
I need you to do this for me. God has sold all the things that he, that he wanted to be that way because he wants to foster an authentic and real relationship. And I think that's partly why God sometimes lets us get into such a squeeze sometimes. It's why we sometimes find ourselves in the mess that we are or the difficulties that we are. It's not because we've done anything wrong. It's just because it's a God's way of reminding us. Let me. When, when are we most likely to pray, God, help me out today? You know when I pray that? When I'm desperate. You know when I do most of my Bible reading? You know when I do most of listening to songs? You know when I do most of my praying, most of thinking about God, and most of my getting along with God? When I need something. Because you know what God does in his wisdom? He makes sure I need something every day. And some days more than others. Foster a relationship with God where you talk to Him every day. Call to Him every day. Ask Him every day. Give us today our daily bread. Christian God is aware of and cares about and has the power to deal with your every need. Talk to him about it. Today. Now. It's all. Stick with him. Hang with him. And see what God will do. And so we exhorted to pray these prayers daily. If God wants to hear that voice daily, then I think he'd be quite happy to heal it hourly. I think he'd be quite happy if you never shut up. Amen. Living Word Bible Church. Teaching the Bible verse by verse.